Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley, the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the DS Radio Network. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for tuning in tonight. We're going to have a great show. We just wanted to mention real quick that our beautiful Marty celebrated her first birthday in heaven. It was October 1st, and for those uh, who did not know, our beautiful Marty passed away April 1st, but we are carrying her torch, and I am so excited to have one of her very old friends that she's known for decades come on the show. Welcome, everyone, John LaCron. John, thank you so much for coming on tonight. My pleasure, darling. Boy, are we going to get entertained today. Words for the day is treason. Yeah, this show is going to have some teeth tonight. So, uh, you know, the, the one thing that really sparked this topic was we were talking about that Senator Mendez and that he committed treason or he's being accused of treason, selling military secrets to the Egyptian government. But it just really, the whole corruption and what's going on, you know, globally with treason and the greed and what drives it, I think it's going to be a great conversation. Where do we start, John? (laughs) Oh, boy, we can go way back. But first of all, ladies and gentlemen, we really, really do need to define what treason is. If we were going to boil it down to the most basic principle, it would be to protect your country from all enemies, foreign and domestic. That was a part of our uh, what we swore to when we uh, joined the military. You know, defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And we took that kind of seriously. Now, we've gotten very flippant in modern times in what we call the Constitution has basically been gutted from long before even you and I were born, to tell you the honest truth. But aside from that, you know, you and I are old enough that we still remember the Pledge of Allegiance, okay? Oh, yeah, every day and, in uh, school. You'll notice that they don't do that anymore. And here's what I think happened. And again, this is just conspiracy theory on my part, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. You know, what does it say? We're sitting here having this conversation, you know, pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now, the word God was added, I think, in the 40s, but regardless of that, now, if that is true to the cause, if we truly believe that, and yours and mine was basically the last generation, I think, to really have teeth and believe that to the core of our uh, heart's belief, yeah. we failed. We have committed treason, you and me, in permitting our republic to be overthrown by a leftist democracy. Okay. Now, I've defined a republic as uh, two wolves and a sheep voting for what's, the, what's for dinner, and the sheep is, of course, armed and can contest the vote. The republic is the two wolves and the sheep where the two wolves gang up on the sheep. And the sheep. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not supposed to have a democracy. We never, you will not find the word democracy into the, anywhere in the Constitution. And even on that basis alone, I'd like to remind everybody that the original Ten Amendments called the Bill of Rights, you know, the First Amendment, freedom of speech, Second Amendment, mm-hmm. right to keep and bear arms, on and on and on, 
Well, that they were trying to pass it without those amendments, and most of the states wouldn't go along with it, which is, of course, true. Now, you have to realize that the United States has been a corporation since the founding of this country. It has been a corporation from day one. There are some people that argue that it was a corporation after the War of Northern Aggression, but that's not the case. It was always a corporation. They had to create it. What is a uh, charter when you think about what a constitution is? What is a mm-hmm. constitutor? It is someone who agrees to pay the debts of another. Well, what were those debts? Those were the military debts that had to be paid after the war with England that we lost. And I'm not going to get into all the little details, but if you really want to verify that we lost that war, ladies and gentlemen, just go ahead and read the 1783 Peace Treaty a few times. And when it finally sinks into you that we lost that war, not exactly won it, then it becomes crystal clear what happened after that. The first treason that I can point to, aside from, uh, you know, what kind of government have you given us, uh, Republic, if you can keep it? Okay, that was important. Um, One of the founders there was asked why he didn't go to that little meeting, and he says, I smell a rat. Okay, and that was right out the starting gate, and he was not wrong. Uh, The 1787... The 1787 Judiciary Act just finished the coup de grace right from the beginning, right from the start, because at that point there were no longer any judges. That's a fact, ladies and gentlemen. There have not been any judges since the foundation of your country. Now, you may pretend that these clerks masquerading as judges are just that, but no, ladies and gentlemen, they're not. All they are are clerks masquerading as judges. And we've talked a little bit about what is a bar attorney, an attorney, someone who turns something over to a third party. More importantly than that, when we looked up the definition of an attorney, it took a several hundred-year-old book on naval to discover that an attorney is nothing more than an international shipping clerk. Well, there's some more truth there, but but we can go down all kinds of little roads. But... When we think treason in America, that's where I want to concentrate on for a while because um, I know we're kind of on a tight schedule tonight, but I've got a lot of ground to cover. And to boil it down, treason from my perspective, as a former soldier and a guy that grew up loving America, God, guns, and guts made America free, let's keep all three mentality, that mentality is a form of love for country, love for neighbor, love for family. Marty, you, me, we have been working behind the scenes for years, in some cases decades, to expose the corruption and expose the treason and expose everything that has been taking place. Why do we do this? Because of our love for fellow man. Marty has heard me say this before. I'm not sure if you have, but the point of it is, My work for the last 10 years has been focused on one single thing, exposing the corruption in order to prevent the civil war that I see coming. I do not want to see a civil war 2.0 on American streets. I know there's people on both sides of the aisle that are just chomping at the bit, just looking for a two-way rifle range. But they seem to fail to realize that uh, you don't have a reset button and get to go play the video game all over. When you're dead, you're dead. And wars are nothing to joke at. And we've talked about this before. All wars are bankers' wars. General Smedley Butler warned you of that. War is a racket, the whole nine yards. All wars are bankers' wars. And what are they doing right now in 2023? Classic divide and conquer. If they can break people apart into small groups so they're fighting for their group and their group alone... There's where the divide comes in, and then they've got us all conquered. If they can keep us in our little groups, well, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-choice in my attitude, pro-murder, but that's beside the point. Republican versus Democrat, you know, man versus woman, black versus white, Muslim versus Arab versus anybody else. You know, the whole thing is fighting little small battles. The puppet masters are in upstairs laughing at all of the morons, useless eaters as they define us, and just saying, hey, we got them. 
because as long as they are busy focusing on each other, they're not paying any attention to us. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how they've controlled us for several hundred years. So when we look at treason, one of the things that you can define it as is dividing a people, okay? And when you think about the War of Northern Aggression, again, they've been sterilized. It's telling the story that the war was fought over slavery. It wasn't. It was fought over states' rights, and it was fought over one other issue, banking, okay? The North was busy pillaging the South. The South was having to pay all these tariffs, and the North was enjoying basically a free government. And the contract that was made, a.k.a. the Constitution, was not being followed. And therefore, the southern states were free to break free. And the other part of that little detail is, well, the southerners fight on Fort Sumter first. You know, that's the big argument for the start of the whole war. And keep in mind that nobody, and I mean nobody on either side, thought that war would last more than a few months. Okay. Yeah. But what happened was Fort Sumter, it had people from the north had snuck in there Christmas night into Fort Sumter and uh, locked the door behind them and said, we're not leaving anywhere. Well, the Southerners, of course, sit there and say, please leave. We'll pay your tickets. You can go back north where you belong. You know, we're Southern states. We're free now. We're not party to your little constitution anymore, so we don't want to be a party to anything. Well, that was no good. What ended up happening is, of course, the North created its army and the South created its army. And, uh, you know, Lincoln, once he got elected, well, that was a big no-no. And by the way, folks, here's another version of treason. There's a multitude of different constitutions out there. Constitution of the United States and the Constitution for the United States. They are very different documents. But the thing is, most people don't realize that there was a 13th Amendment. Now, they don't want to admit to this little detail, but there was a 13th Amendment that was very different than the one that you know of now. And that was called the Title of Nobility Act. Title of Nobility. The Title of Nobility Act, what that said was if you had a title from a foreign government entity, whatever you want to look at, you could not represent you cannot be party to the United States Corporation, okay? And what did Abraham Lincoln have? He had a license to practice law. He was a bar attorney. Therefore, he had he had a title of nobility. Therefore, oh. he was not even authorized to be president. But again, we don't want to talk about history because God forbid if people learn their history, they might start questioning more things about what they've been told. But anyway... So with the secession of the South, you had that particular war come to be. Now, again, if we want to talk treason, let's talk treason for a few minutes. You go back and say, well, who started the War of Northern Aggression? Where did its origin start at? And here's the key, ladies and gentlemen. And again, all wars are bankers' wars. Jackson shut down the bankers. Okay. Jackson shut them down. Okay. The only time the United States Corporation was debt-free, the one time in history the United States was debt-free. In 1822, the treason was done in Europe. Okay, And what was that treason? That was several of the kings of Europe and the Vatican conspiring against America because they saw how powerful America was quickly becoming militarily, and more importantly than that, economically. And what have I been saying for the last 10 minutes? All wars are bankers' wars. Mm -hmm. Make no mistake. And all of you are party to this war right here, right now, as they do this global economic reset. But we're not going to cover that tonight. I just want to remind all of you of that little detail. So in 1822, there was a secret treaty of Verona. And this is actually in the records. And the congressional records from the uh, late 1800s or early 1900s, one of the congressmen brought it up. And that little detail was the origin. And this is why the Russian cating southern ports as well as the Americans, okay, direct association between those two things. Now, when you talk about post-Civil War era, 
you know, we're not going to get into the politics of all the death and destruction and the fact that a certain general went rampaging through the South, burning down entire cities and towns and killing civilians and stealing from civilians. None of that matters, right? All that matters was the North won and the evil South could now be pillaged, which is why you had the uh, certain group of individuals come forward. It was never about blacks. And again... Everybody wants to point to the Ku Klux Klan and saying, see, look at the origin, and that's racism, and that's this, that, or the other. And then you sit there and you start looking at your history. What was that group actually doing? They were fighting the northern infiltrators. They were busy pillaging the south. That's what it was about. Don't get me wrong. There were some really nasty things going on at the time. That's the origins of the National Rifle Association as well. Um, when they were helping to arm some of the blacks. But the problem is power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Okay, And yeah. these are the facts. We don't want to talk about these kinds of facts either. Okay, And you can say, well, we had southern generals that were all racist, this, that, or that, more garbage. Okay, Now... The founder of the KKK, I'm having a brain cramp right now. I've got too many things on my mind. Uh, One of the Confederate generals survived the war. He's the only, I repeat, he is the only white man to ever address a group of blacks. The origins of what you now know is a, uh, what the modern black organization, I'm having a brain cramp. Anyway, NAACP and NAACP, National Advancement of Colored People. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Prior to that, there was a different organization, and he is the only, only, only white man to ever speak to that group of people. And he was not treating them like slaves. He was having a real heart-to-heart conversation, and they loved really? it. Okay. Really. And again. Oh, yeah. You want to know who caused a lot of the black deaths in the South during the Civil War? It was the northern troops stealing the food from the southern people, including the slaves. And the southern slaves were gromped onto and treated just like slaves by the northern troops as well and forced to work for the North. So, again, we don't think about the fact, you know, you hear all this propaganda and it is propaganda where oh, all the slaves were getting beaten down and all this other crap. And listen, all I can tell you is this. Slaves are expensive to buy and to maintain. Okay? You don't want to sit there and beat them down to such a level where they cannot do the jobs. All right, and you will find account after account after account after account after account in the South and different stories where you had friendship between the Northern thinking mentality by Southern people who wanted slavery abolished just as bad as the Northern did. It was coming. Everybody remember the South was the origin of what you would know as the Republic. And once the South was subjugated by the War of Northern Aggression, at that point, the Republic that you knew ceased to exist, whatever semblance of it was left. That war changed the world. Okay, Slavery was already on its way out. And again, if people don't know their history, they need to learn it. Okay? Now, part of the slave trade dealt specifically with a series of stops. And you had a certain island nation that had a revolution. And that was one of the major stops for the slave trade. And when that happened, slavery was already on its way out because there was no way to recircuit, change the circuit, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, the, uh, Half of the country is the Dominican Republic. The other half is, uh, come on, John, think, think, think. I can't, Haiti. Haiti, okay. So we have that. You had a revolution that took place. Again, the bankers financed both sides of it. I'm not going to say the Confederacy was in the right either because they weren't as well. 
but they at least had the right to choose their own life. And all the Confederacy was doing was protecting itself and wanting its ability to rule it over itself. <clears throat> because that's, I think, what all of us want. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to have our life force energy harnessed for their profit, which is what the bankers have done with their Federal Reserve note. But with Jackson, things had changed. The banks had been thrown out. I will rout you out, he said. You are a den of vipers and thieves. And he did. He routed them out. And, of course, after the war, after the war, what happened? Lincoln was killed. Now, Mm -hmm. you say, okay, well, that would be another version of treason. You know, the subjugated southern states, we had a Confederate, uh, you know, go over and shoot him. And that's what the story that we're all told. Okay. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. You see, there were four men that were targeted that day, not one. Four. You had General Grant that had been targeted, Vice President Johnson that had been targeted. You had Lincoln that had been targeted, and Secretary of State Seward had been targeted. That's four men, not one, that were targeted for termination that day. Four. Lincoln, you know the story on Lincoln. Everybody forgets that Seward, Secretary of State Seward, got hurt. Now, General Grant, the guy going after Grant, uh, didn't get his shot because Grant was out of town. And the guy that went after Vice President Johnson lost his nerve, so he never went. Now, what do those four men have in common? And I don't want to hear that they were Southern sympathizers. What they do have in common is this. They were Vatican assassins. They were Vatican assassins. They came directly from the Vatican, and we broke with the Vatican because of that. Now, again, you've got to know your history to verify all these facts, but that's beside the point. So what happened after that? Well, the very first impeachment, again, was against who? Vice President who? Who just became president? Johnson. Okay. Johnson was actually a Tennessean, all right, but he was loyal to the Union. And he was put on the ticket. And Lincoln, of course, with Johnson, carried the day for the reelection in 1864. Mm-hmm. So that put him in the position of being president. Now, what did he have in common? He was a strict constitutionalist. In other words, he would follow the Constitution as well. So what happened? Well, they went to impeach him. And we don't have time to get into all those details if we want to cover this laundry list of things that I got about treason, about what's happened since then. But you have to realize something. That was critically important. And then you had Grant, who was recognized as being one of the most corrupt presidents in history. And he died broke and miserable and, well, I don't even want to talk about Grant. Then you can fast forward a little bit more. You had a series of crimes that took place. Most important there is you had a uh, crime where they demonetized silver and made gold the banker's money exclusively and only debts could be paid. It was called the crime of 73. The crime of 73. Look it up, people. It's critically important because what did that do? That put the bankers right back in charge because if you could no longer pay in silver off the debts that you owed, you could only pay in gold. That made gold the master's money. And you've heard me say this again and again. Gold is the banker's money. Silver is the people's money. And uh, barter is the gentleman's money. And slavery and debt are the slave's money. That's the facts, folks. So when we think about a Federal Reserve note, I'd just like to remind everybody, 12 United States Code 411, the United States currency, a.k.a. the Federal Reserve note, which is private banking script, not even the United States currency. It's private banking script, and they can do with it what they will. So when they void it out, oh, well, doesn't matter. But it all it is is a negotiable debt instrument. It is not money, and it has not been money. There has been no money circulating since the bankers stole that in 1933. And we'll talk about that treason in a few minutes. Folks, 
one thing that you all have to realize that these bankers are harnessing your life force energy, okay? And the politicians work for the banks. And to actually be there with our best interests in mind would be treason against their corporate owners, a.k.a. the bankers. Oh. So, again, tying banking and government together. And for people that do not realize it, there has been a merger let me repeat so that it is crystal clear. In the last couple of years, there has been a merger between the Federal Reserve and the um, um, finances in the United States. They are one and the same now. They are one and the same. And you have this organization called BlackRock behind the scenes that is just, your world is changing and corporations are taking over. Okay, and they've been growing exponentially, and uh, they're at a position now that they control pretty much anything and everything. The currency controls the world. You yeah. Know? And when we look at that little detail, look at the facts of how we've manipulated and how wars have been fought, what's the first thing that happens when a country gets overthrown? Its gold gets taken out of there. Now it has to depend on debt. What happens if you decide that you're going to go back on the gold standard? Oh, well, we go to war with you. You know, just ask Gaddafi over there in Libya. He'll tell you all about it. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, there is a very, very, very high price for corruption in your society. And that includes a death. That's one of the things that has taken place over the years. This is why they have to do this great wipeout with this hoax that they called COVID and those massive injections which are designed to both sterilize and kill people and injure people. Now, if that isn't treason, I don't know what is. All right. Law is simple, ladies and gentlemen. It's eight little letters, three little words. Go ahead. I have one real quick thing that I noticed when you talked about the gold that Senator Mendez said, you know, they found like half a million dollars worth of gold bars on him. And now that's making a little bit more sense why he had all that gold bars from Egypt. Yes, of course. Um, Jib Traficant, you can probably still find the video out there, but probably not on YouTube, but a uh, congressman named Jim Traficant back in the 80s outed the fact that the United States Corporation was still in a perpetual state. And uh, that was an important announcement, and there was a reason that they went after him, too. Now, I'm not going to say he was clean. He wasn't. He was a Democrat, and, you know, my political affiliations are neither one. You know, the two sides of the same bird. Mm-hmm. They're both going the same direction, and they're both corrupt. One is, you know, but aside from that, he outed what was going on, and this is not the first time, Okay. You look at every war that we've fought in the American history, you better pay attention, ladies and gentlemen. You look at how many wars we've fought out through these centuries. It has been a bunch. We have been at war far more often than been at peace. Peace is just a small interim in between the next war. That's a fact. We've had a series of ships that got sunk, or at least quote-unquote pretended to be, you know, you look at the war we had with Spain, that caused because the boiler blew up in a ship, but hey, what's that? You know, oh, those Spanish caused that, and so they sunk the main, and we've got to remain, you know, everybody remember it. So what happened? We went to war, we won, and, you know, that's how Cuba became a part of our little world, and that's how uh, uh, the Philippines became a little part of our world, okay? Again, mm-hmm. more your important history. Well, then you can fast forward a few more years and look at what happened. You had another, quote-unquote, sinking of a ship that got us into World War One. Well, it wasn't because the Germans weren't out there actively telling everybody that was, you know, this ship was carrying musicians to uh, Europe. And they took out full-page ads in the New York pa- newspapers, full-page ads in the paper saying, do not get on this ship. If we see it, we will sink her. 
And coincidentally, they sent that lone ship out there in the middle of the ocean where there was a known wolf pack waiting for it and sunk it. Well, that was very convenient to get us into World War I. World War One. But what also took place back then? Mass vaccination. And what did we have? Another pandemic back then. More dead bodies, mm-hmm. but we don't want to talk about all of those details either, do we? Well, so you can <laughs> fast forward a few more years. You get this uh, sleazeball banker called Franklin Delano Roosevelt comes on the scene. Okay. Now, I've talked about him in more cases of conspiracy and treason than I can count, but let's just hit the highlights. The very, very, very first thing that character does when he assumes office, the very first thing he does, he gives his inauguration speech. And it took me years to find out. I I had trusted my source. Okay. Today is a day of national consecration. And I trusted my source. And I said, well, where is it? I can't find it written in any of the places where his speech is. Well, that's because they've been hiding it. Because people might start asking questions. But if you want to hear Franklin Delano Roosevelt say those words, just go to YouTube. And you will find it right out the starting gate. Today is a day of national consecration. Today is a day, meaning nation, national. That's the corporation masquerading as government. That's not American people. Consecration means working for the church. That's what it means. And they don't want people asking these questions because when they ask these questions and they discover what it actually means, they start questioning a lot of other things too. Vatican banking anybody? What was the very first thing that he did? He stole the people's gold. Turn in your gold, turn in your gold certificates. Notice I said certificates. I didn't say notes. Those Mm -hmm. certificates had gold backing them. So the morons that decided to do that, guess what? Now they were indebted because they had no gold to pay off any debts. And what's the next thing he does? He changes the price from $20.63 to $35. Boy, that was a windfall for the United States Corporation. That was a windfall for the bankers. Woohoo! It's party time. A 40% increase in our purchase. Meanwhile, the poor swell suckers there on the outside world, what happened? A massive depression. Ladies and gentlemen, that massive depression, that was caused by the bankers. And I don't want to hear about the 1929 crash being the cause of it. No, the bankers were pulling money. This is why there is very small production of coins during this time frame as well, ladies and gentlemen. And the United States Corporation was bankrupt. From 1913 to 1933, all it took was the Federal Reserve 20 years to own the country. Treason, anybody? Mm. And this is a problem that we have, folks. Because the treason didn't stop there. Oh, no, the treason never stops there. So, you've heard me say that I'm no fan of FDR, okay? And what did he say? It was going to be a new deal, right, ladies and gentlemen? Uh-huh. It was a new deal, all right, only it wasn't a good deal for the American people. They were basically enslaved. Their property was stolen from them, and they were turned into slaves when that happened for our current world. And where did that treason come from? Well, go back 20 years again, and I'm not even talking the Federal Reserve. You've got Edward Mendel House talking about it, Okay. And he stated in no uncertain terms that the American people would be enslaved and they wouldn't know what happened to them. And that's where you had your, quote-unquote, social insecurity come from, okay? See, in order to be party to the Social Security Trust, which is what the United States is, that's what a corporation is, it's a trust, you have to be an employee of it. Now, if you have never worked for the United States, think, guess what? You've been working for U.S. Inc. all your life, assuming you have a what? Social insecurity number. And again, that's a pyramid scheme, and that gets voted on over in England just as much as it gets voted on here in Washington. But that's beside the point. More treason. Okay. 
So aside from all that, we also had another interesting thing happen under FDR. There was actually an attempted coup with FDR, and American people, again, don't know their history. They don't know about this coup. But see, General Smedley Butler, he told the American people about it. See, they offered uh, Butler, he, he was a famous general from World War One, and uh, the military would follow him. They would do what he was told if he ordered it. So he was invited in, and uh, it was part of the Bush crime syndicate, and uh, I think Ford was a party to it, and there were some other major players that uh, if we mentioned last names, you'd know them. But long story short, the attempted coup didn't happen because while he was pretending to go along with it, he had another guy that he was communicating with uh, United States Incorporated with. And you can go watch uh, about a 10-minute, 15-minute video of General Smedley Butler talking about the attempted coup. Now, what happened with the coup? Nothing. Now, did anybody get hung for the treason? No. Why? Because things were too precarious already. So nobody ever got held accountable. More treason, right? Divide and conquer, Mm -hmm. Democrats, Republicans, all that. So let's fast forward a couple more years. There's a little fiasco taking place over in Europe. A little guy with a mustache. Interesting character he is. Um, Oh, I know who you're going to pick. Uh-huh. Now, where was Nazi headquarters? Where was Adolf Hitler getting his money from? See, again, we don't want to learn our history because if we learn our history, we might start questioning things. He, I no, know he got money gentlemen. out of the United States. He did, like, as a matter of fact. Uh, well, I knew that. New York banker, more specifically, part of the Bush crime family. Do you think, ladies and gentlemen, that the Bush family got its money starting in oil? Oh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, it got its money started in banking and Senator Bush was a banker. All wars are bankers' wars, people. I keep telling you this. And that brings up back another point, just uh, an aside for more of uh, New York bankers. The uh, 1917 Russian Revolution that took out the Tsar was the origin of that little detail. Again, New York bankers financed that. And um, the soldiers that were party to that, a lot of them came from the streets of New York. Fact, ladies and gentlemen, fact. So when you think about the Rothschilds, why was Rothschild, who was one of the bourgeois that, uh, of course, the uh, communists should be looking forward to hang. Well, why was it that uh, he was welcomed with open arms when he went in there? Because Russia was his baby. He was the one that financed it. And again, we don't want to talk about that either, but we're getting a trough track a little bit. But the treason continued because the ship that was carrying the gold and the soldiers Well, Mm -hmm. it got uh, stopped in uh, Canada. And long story short, they says, well, uh, these guys appear to be up to some shenanigans. Uh, What are we going to do about it? Let them go. So that's what happened. All right, back on track. So now, back to FDR. As we have World War II starting to really get interesting over there, uh, England is in a big world of hurt. Okay, and coincidentally, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was party to the United States Navy back in World War One. Well, there was another guy that was party to the English side of that particular thing, and uh, of course, that was the uh, Prime Minister over there. So, <laughs> there's a, always a good old boy network going on back and forth. Yeah. So we. Uh, you know, if you want to learn about that a little bit, uh, there was a book. Uh, come on, I want to think about it. Uh, it was actually about Kennedy, but it was talking about the origins of that particular detail as well. Mm-hmm. Goodness, I can't think of it right now. It doesn't matter. Long story short, here's what happened there. England was losing the war. 
they were losing the war. And there had to be some mm-hmm. things that had to happen behind the scenes. We had this uh, quote-unquote lend-lease arrangement that uh, um, Roosevelt had done with the English to kind of help. And uh, we were producing aircraft for England and stuff like that that was, you know, for civilian use. But, uh, of course, it was sent on over and, of course, played with a little more. Now it could be military use. Um, <clears throat> but something happened. Around the early parts of December, a little uh, place in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle of the ocean, <clears throat> what did we have? We had Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, get bombed. Oh, yeah. Now, interesting thing about that, seems that uh, somebody actually knew about it, a.k.a. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He knew well in advance that the Navy, the Japanese Navy, was already on the way and did nothing. He had several days notice. Now, the uh, Navy and the Army actually knew that there was a potential for that to happen. And the aircraft carriers were not in port at the time, which, of course, changed a lot of the things. But you had all these battleships get sunk and all these other ships get damaged or sunk. And that, ladies and gentlemen, they went after the general and they went after the... um, the uh, guy that was in charge of the Navy over there at the time, the Congress did. They wanted answers. And what it boiled down to is when it was all over, said and done with, it stopped at FDR's desk. And uh, mm-hmm. they dropped the investigation once they figured that out. <laughs> oh. So if that wasn't treason watching several of your... Uh, Thousands of your American uh, military personnel get murdered. What would have happened if there had been an entire aircraft waiting for them as they flew in and just started shooting down Japanese planes? Because remember, ladies and gentlemen, once you're bringing warships into, you know, a certain geographic area around a third party, that is an act of war and you are free and clear to shoot down. But what happened Mm -hmm. from there? It got us into World War II. What happened from there? Okay, you had the Japanese invasion and you had the uh, Germans and we were dealing with that for four years. And again, incredibly important. Very important. But it was also treason. So you can fast forward a few more times. We had another little incident there. Notice how, again, all these ships and all these disasters that are taking place. Mm-hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, do a little bit of research into the USS Liberty. Again, the USS Liberty, ladies and gentlemen, look into that one. What was the Liberty? The USS Liberty? Well, that was under Johnson, Lyndon Baines Johnson. And we'll talk about more of his treason as well, but since we're doing the Navy side first, I wanted to cover this right out the starting gate. It was bombed and bombed and bombed by who? The Israelis. Now, well, you say, well, John, what are you talking about? The Israelis are our allies. Well, here's the story behind the attack on the USS Liberty that they don't want to talk about. See, the Israelis were going through the uh, seven-day war, I believe it was, with the uh, Arabs. And this was a perfect opportunity to bring in the America's military-industrial complex. And what better way than to put the USS Liberty on the bottom of the ocean, right? So, first of all, the pilots of the uh, Air Force uh, for the um, Israelis get told, go ahead and attack the uh, USS Liberty. And, of course, their reply is, are you kidding me? That's the Americans. We don't bomb them. They're our allies. Well, long story Mm -hmm. short, they were basically ordered to attack the Liberty or else. Well, you know what happened there. So they turned around and attacked the Liberty. The interesting thing is the Liberty actually survived the attack. And they were able to get word out to the battle fleet that was uh, nearby, say, hey, we're being attacked. You need to come and help us out. So uh, aircraft carrier's uh, captain says, launch all aircraft. We're on our way to the rescue. And then the phone call came. And a piece of shit sitting in the White House. His exact words, I want that goddamn ship on the bottom of the ocean. And his planes were recalled. 
And if I remember correctly, the captain was relieved of duty because he didn't want to follow the orders and was replaced by his CIA cohort. So, anyways, the miracle is the USS Liberty continued to survive and fight back, and uh, it wasn't at the bottom of the ocean. So the next order came out to another ship. There was an American submarine watching it take place, and the order came there again from the White House. Think the Liberty, to which the reply was, uh, stick it up your ass. They didn't fire on their fellow people. I don't want to know what happened to that particular crew. I am sure the captain never commanded another ship, and I'm sure the crew had a lot to answer for when they returned, but they did not, I repeat, did not commit treason against their fellow man who committed the treason, Franklin or um, Lyndon Baines Johnson. So we can go put a spotlight on LBJ. That's not the only war crime he did by a long shot. He looked at his history. Dead sister died under mysterious circumstances, too. Hint, hint. What is his story? Well, the day before the Kennedy assassination, he's talking to his mistress and tells his mistress, tomorrow all my problems go away. See, Lyndon Baines Johnson was vice president. He didn't like being on the second rung on that. He thought he stood in the White House. God forbid that little Kennedy ass got there. But you see, there's more than that. He was about to go to jail, ladies and gentlemen. You know, like the current occupant of the White House and his son need to be doing right now, but that's beside the point as well. He was about to go to jail because he was corrupt. Uh Uh-huh. So, all my problems go away tomorrow. What happened? Supposedly a single shooter somewhere in a book depository, master shooter with a really lousy Italian Carcano 6.5, trust me, they're worthless guns to begin with, managed to do this crazy shooting scheme and uh, take out the sitting president. Well, now he was put into the presidency. All of his problems went away with advance notice. And there's some other tie-ins there as well. Bush was there, senior, and rumor is it junior as well. George Bush senior, George Bush junior. Uh, the Bay of Pigs invasion, um, that was probably run by uh, George Bush senior. If you look at the name of the ships that were involved in the Bay of Pigs, again, more treason. What happened when uh, Kennedy found out that it was taking place? He went ballistic. Okay? Mm-hmm. This reason he wanted to shut down the CIA. And the CIA had only been in operation since 1948, and it was already mm-hmm. getting out of control. And, you know, you mm-hmm. had the uh, whole world. You had Ike sit there and warn people about the military-industrial complex to his presidency. And, ladies and gentlemen, more treason. If you're just doing it to make money, ladies and gentlemen, see... There's two kinds of wars, and very few of them are fought for the right reasons. They've always been bankers' war. They've been bankers' war going back centuries, long before there was ever a country. And again, this is all tied into the Rothschilds. You had Rothschilds that were financing both sides of the war. The Rothschilds financed both sides of the Revolutionary War. Hello? Again, conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy. But what do we do? We need a justification for war. So you kill some people, sink a few ships, and, you know, pretend that your Navy just got attacked by some uh, boat, a.k.a. the Gulf of Tonkin incident. <laughs> uh, I talked to a guy that was actually there. He says, yeah, they just told us to start opening fire. We weren't shooting at anything. We were just boom, 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 boom. And when it was over and done, and the next day we were reading about, oh, we were attacked. But, you know, don't get me started on that. I got that from first-hand knowledge, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, it's all common knowledge anyway. We admitted to the fact that there was no, you know, Vietnamese, North Vietnamese uh, Navy out there trying to sink their ships. It was just an excuse to get us into a war and to escalate. And um, LBJ needed that distraction, okay? He needed that distraction badly. Well, what happens when you have 
what, 50,000 American soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, die over there in a war? I would call that treason. Not to mention that after the war, there were several POWs that people knew were still alive. And the American people were told, no, these uh, pilots or these soldiers are all dead. They weren't dead. They were left there. More treason, but again, that's beside the point. So you had a series of different things that have taken place. The bankers have been in charge. They continue to be in charge. The military-industrial complex is in charge. You can look at the Black Rock now. That's in charge. Ladies and gentlemen, you're surrounded by treason. You're living in treason. And they're poisoning the population. And I'm not even talking about these kill injections, these kill shots that they've been doing the last couple of years. We forget certain details. First of all, who was the first party to use fluoride? The very first party to use fluoride was the Nazis. They determined that if people were fluoridated, that they would not be as resistant. So therefore, they started fluoridating Americans' water supplies. You know, but don't let the fact that there's a guy wearing a chem suit as he's pouring that nasty toxic waste into your drinking water. All for the benefit of your teeth, ladies and gentlemen. Again, more propaganda. If that's not treason, well, next guy, what do you see? All those airplanes making a tick-tock cross pattern. Again, oh, that's just a little bit of air, you know, getting exposed to some, you know, exhaust coming out of the back of the plane. Oh, been following that conspiracy since the early 80s. And we know it to be the case. What are they doing? They're poisoning the soil. They're poisoning you. Treason, ladies and gentlemen. Treason. When they sat there and they turned, again, going back to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the criminal banker, the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917, a.k.a. World War I era, fast forward it to World War II. Well, actually, the late 30s. What happened? It turned around and it made the American people the enemy. They, enemy, is you. Enemy of the state, anybody? Oh, and on that little detail as well as we're sitting here talking about treason, uh, one other thing, the uh, Luftwaffe, actually two, the Luftwaffe itself, required a certain uh, additive. The only source of that particular additive was a uh, European country. But uh, the Americans were also involved with that. And they managed to get that additive throughout the war. Incredibly important. Now, when we think about Henry Ford, you know, that nice guy that made those Fords, you know, you can have any color that you want as long as it's black. He had a little detail as well. His thing was this. You look, who was, what were the engines that were running those German tanks and those German trucks and those German howitzers and whatever else? They were manufactured by Ford. Adolf Hitler actually had a life-size portrait uh, hanging over his, uh, in his office of Henry Ford. That was his hero. I wonder why. More treason, anybody? Again, and I'd like to remind you all of the attempt to overthrow Franklin Delano Roosevelt as well. And when I was a kid, I had heard Henry Ford say something. Um, I had read it. He said, if the American people knew what was happening, there would be a revolutionary, there would be a revolution before the morning. And I remember reading that as a kid and keeping it to heart and thinking to myself, I wonder what he's talking about. Well, ladies and gentlemen, for the last however many minutes that I've been talking, you know what I've been, he was talking about. He was yeah. at the front and center of it. Questions, comments? Um, let's see if we've got anyone, let's see if we've got anyone wanting to comment. I'm just like, this is all a different 
side of history than I've known. And yet there's been, you know, some of it, like I definitely knew about Ford. There's, um, I can't remember the designer that actually designed all these uniforms for um, the Nazis that we all, you know, all the rich people are wearing their designer clothes right now. There's a documentary series called Price of Empire that I thought was, I mean, if you want to really know some different history, there you go. It's like a 15-minute thing. But where are you getting all your history? Because it's very different than what's being taught in the textbooks. Like, where would someone go to find it? Again, you've got to do your research into it because there's a multitude of sources. I've been studying world history since I was a boy. And there's books that have been written on it. There's been uh, investigations that have been taking place. You know, everything that you've heard me talk about tonight, you can verify it yourself. If you want to look into the Liberty, you can hear about that. And, the, you know, the crew of the Liberty, the ones that survived when they got off the ship, they were ordered to secrecy. And they finally broke their secrecy sometime in the 80s. They've got a web page now and everything. So you can find about that. Um, you know, most of it is just little tidbits of history that you've got to go out of your way to find because yeah. it goes against the narrative. And when you're going against the narrative, well, they don't like that because it exposes their lines. Okay. But, uh, right. you know, if you want to talk about where I got the things from Fort Sumter, well, that was easy. The pamphlet put out by Fort Sumter. <laughs> You know, if Fort Sumter hadn't, uh, if uh, Lincoln hadn't sent the troops down to, before the firing on Fort Sumter, what had happened? Okay, he sent his navy down there with uh, troops to reinforce the fort. And remember, that was a key port for the Confederacy. Okay, and they could not let that stay in Union hands. And they did not fire on Fort Sumter until those ships were standing outside of the uh, port at which point they fired on Fort Sumter, you know. And what's interesting is uh, the fact that uh, the fort did fall, but nobody actually died. Now, they did die when they were uh, doing a change of uh, command there, and uh, they were taking down the U.S. flag and replacing it with the Confederate one. They had a uh, gun salute that was taking place, and one of the guns blew up. So one of the uh, Union guys, I guess, got killed. But that's the death. The bombardment didn't even kill anybody. So, you know, when you say, where did you get your history? Well, what part of that do you want to specific? It's, it's making okay, sense that you're finding, like, the tidbits here and there and, and putting it all together. Because some of it that you've said, I knew, you know. And that's just it. I'm the only guy that I know that's put the entire timeline from the founding of this country to expose the conspiracy of how we got to where we're at now. And uh, when I did that, originally I'd done it uh, coincidentally with Marty. And um, then I turned around and I did a Facebook post off of the radio show. It was actually the very first show I did with Marty. And ladies and gentlemen, you can go look at. Now, when I tagged it in my Facebook, what I did is in the comments section is I just started putting in links to all the places that people needed to go to verify my facts. Now, since then, some of those links are now dead links, coincidentally, because of all the censorship. But the thing is, you know, they can censor all they want, but that doesn't change the fact that the information is still out there. This is why I like hardcover books, okay? You can't go through and change the wording in hardcover books. You can do it if it's a book that's online. You can change a web page online. That is really good tidbit. Yeah, but you can't do it in 5,000, 10,000, 100,000 books, okay? It doesn't work like that. And, you know, when you actually take a look at the history again, there's so much more, you know, do you know who the first individual in America to be censored was in a very real way where they actually took and burned every one of his... You'll love this, ladies and gentlemen. Charles A. Lindbergh Sr., a congressman, ladies and gentlemen. He wrote a book in 1912 called Banking and Currency and the Money Trust. 
a.k.a. he was talking about, we don't want the Federal Reserve Act to pass. And guess what? They came in and confiscated every single book he has and destroyed them. Now, a couple of them had made it out of the country, which is how we still have the book. Okay, I have an example of it now, but you will not find an original out there because the censorship was real. And what was some of the other censorship that was done around that same time frame? Oh, the uh-huh. medical establishment. Because, again, homeopaths were normal back then. There's what doctors do in modern times, which, you know, goes back to the early 1900s. That was for the Rockefellers. That was for the benefit of making more money. And if you would, you know, the American Medical Association was founded to debunk what worked for centuries. But if you were a homeopath, Guess what? You were targeted. They made that you did crazy. not get to teach in any schools. You did not get to, uh, you know, they went out of their way to make sure you didn't get licenses and all this other stuff. You had to be a party to their medical establishment and, you know, do things like, oh, it's a great idea to uh, treat cancer with chemotherapy. That's a good thing to do. We're poisoning you to cure you. What kind of logic does that make, ladies and gentlemen? It doesn't. And this is important, again, why? Because, go ahead. I'm going to give a real quick answer, like tidbit. And um, we're going a little over our hours, but I feel like it's such a good conversation right now. So my mother had cancer the the first time she had it. It was breast cancer, and she did the chemo. And she, um, then six years later, it came back, and they, wanted to do the chemo thing she did one and she's like I can't do this anymore and she's like they had said if she didn't do it she had um, four to five months to live if she did do the chemo she had nine months to live and she decided she was just going to have quality of life because she was so sick but then someone told her about this tea that the Ojibwe Indian tribe supposedly had found the cure for cancer it was called Essiac and my mom lived like another seven years because she drank this tea and did not go back to the doctors and do all this chemo. I always, I've never forgotten that story. And I saw it firsthand. I still remember, you know, going, I remember going down and visiting her one Christmas and thinking this was it. And then she, you know, kept going because of this tea that was going. And on top of the, um, the books. Here's an interesting thing. I remember noticing this like back in the 80s. So we had this real old set of encyclopedias. I can't remember 50s or 60s. I still own them. And I had gotten some more encyclopedias that were from like the 80s. And I thought, oh, I should take these older encyclopedias like over to the Goodwill or something because I have the new updated encyclopedias. And I just by chance just started to look up things and see how different they were. And that was real alarming. It was the, and so the newer encyclopedias were missing stuff. Things were changed from what I had seen in the older encyclopedia. And that, that was alarming. And I just, you know, I just kind of discovered that on myself, never really had conversations with people about it, but I just, you know, what's going on? Because you don't meet people like you or Marty out in the world, you know? Like, you just, it's a lock. Like, it's a divine appointment. Like, so here I knew this. But I didn't tell anybody, but I still remember noticing it. Like, why are the encyclopedias different? So I still have those old sets of encyclopedias. And the new set went to the Goodwill or wherever I put them. <laughs> but I just, so, I mean, I've I've seen this firsthand. And a final little thought before we close out. It's starting to make sense because this is our guardianship show. It's starting to make sense why none of us receive justice. We go to every sort of, you know, office that we can and no one cares. Any final thoughts on guardianship and treason? Because I believe these judges are committing treason with how they're behaving. A final thought well, on that. Yeah, let me bring three quick points. 
starting with in 1938, you had the Erie Railroad decision that took common law courts of record out of the federal courts. And that's where the uh, break started to happen then in the 1980s. Um, prior to that, only about one out of every three lawyers was an attorney. Okay, there's two different words, mm-hmm. by the way. An attorney, I've already explained, and a lawyer is one learned in the law. Only one out of every three was an attorney. All the other ones were actually lawyers. But after about 1981-82, the states changed where you had to be a member of the bar in order to practice, quote-unquote, think about that. So that's what you need to know there was the Erie Railroad decision. Now, the other part, Wilbur Reif had been curing cancers, including all the ones that can't be cured, quote-unquote, in the 1930s. All of his patients were people that they said, go home and die. There's nothing more we can do for you. And he was curing them. Um, If you have cancer, ladies and gentlemen, please read the book Cancer, Step Outside the Box by Ty Bollinger. Even if you don't follow what he tells you, you really do need to read the book before you do anything Big Pharma does. And trust me, I saw a study once where they had asked a bunch of these doctors what they would do for themselves if they came down with cancer. And almost all of them, it was a high 90%, was they would not do for themselves what they do for their patients. Now, why do you think that is? Ladies and gentlemen, they are trying to kill you. It's been absolutely great. I've enjoyed it. I hope your uh, listeners have learned a few more details and not gotten too turned off by some of the stuff. And uh, <sighs> remember, folks, uh, it uh, can be considered treason when you're sitting there challenging the criminal cabal's narrative as well. <laughs> Truth is treason and fire of lies. We're all guilty, it seems, as we all sit idly. And, I mean... We try to do these shows, we try to expose it, but so many people are just worried about what Kim Kardashian is wearing and they're not paying attention. And they think we're all crazy. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been a great show. I hope everyone has enjoyed it. I have noticed that not one caller has hung up. So, John, everyone just loves having you on. This definitely was a show with teeth coming off of our poetry show that we did last week on the Marty Oakley Show. Um, next week we're going to play a classic because I have a wedding to do and then hopefully we will be back the following week with an update from Australia and again real quick these shows are brought to you by the Australian Association to Stop Guardianship and Administrative Abuse AASGAA the National Association to Stop Guardianship Abuse NASGA Marcel Reed on the Whistleblower Summit and Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook page. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a wonderful rest of the evening and a great week next week. And thank you, John, for coming on. And we will have you back. Good night, everybody. Thanks, guys. Good night, world. <laughs>